Okay, so I have to apologize. This was supposed to be me and my husband, but our babysitter panicked about the weather. <laughs> so it's just me for today. That's okay. Sorry, pull up the notes on my... Uh... My husband always makes fun of me because I asked for the smallest iPhone possible and he doesn't believe that this is a real phone anymore. Okay, so I guess we'll just get started if that's okay with everybody. Okay, so this um, chat that we're going to have today is about setting realistic expectations for dating and for relationships and things like that. I'm going to start by modeling that example and setting realistic expectations that there's a lot in this discussion and the odds of us getting through it all are slim <laughs> so if we don't get to the very end that's okay we're gonna set realistic expectations okay so why are we doing this talk why do we care why do we want to talk about expectations versus reality why why sorry let me just uh, open my notes here there we go show presenter notes perfect Okay, so why are we doing this? So before we even talk about why we're talking about expectations for versus reality, let's go to the basics, okay? Let's work backwards. So we know that ultimately, you know, dating may or may not lead to marriage, okay? Equally successful if it leads to marriage or if it avoids marriage, because that's a divorce avoidance, okay? Both win-win, very successful, okay? Either way, we know that the question at the end of dating is marriage or not. So what is God's purpose for marriage? What is the purpose behind the sacrament of marriage? Okay, God's purpose for marriage is to teach us how to love the way he loves. To love perfectly, sacrificially, unconditionally, the way he does. Will we ever attain the ability to love perfectly the way he does? I don't know. Depends on the person. But we're going to try and get as close to it as we can. That's the purpose for marriage. Okay, Marriage is a pathway to heaven. It's a journey to heaven. So there's a lot of perfecting and refining of individuals that happens in marriage that is meant to pave the way of salvation and to pave the way to heaven. That's why marriage is a sacrament, okay? It's a journey of being transformed because in the sacrament of marriage and in the, the nitty-gritty and the hard work of marriage, God transforms you into being very selfless, being very caring, and again, modeling as close as possible the ability to love perfectly. And marriage is a journey to salvation, okay? Despite the difficulties, despite the disagreements, despite the differences, those conflicts lead to intimacy both with him and with your spouse, spouse that are then a pathway to salvation, okay? Quick summary of the sacrament of marriage. So if that's the purpose of marriage, okay, what is the purpose of dating, okay, or courting, or whatever, whatever you want to call it, okay? In, in the East, we're very progressive, the dating, boyfriend, girlfriend, I don't know about here, maybe we're not there yet, I don't know, but we're just going to call it dating for the purposes of this talk, okay? So what is the purpose of dating? The purpose of dating is to assess whether that person brings you closer to God's design for marriage, right? God's design for marriage is a sacrament. God's design for marriage is that it's a pathway to salvation and a pathway to heaven. So the purpose of dating is to then assess that person's potential in helping you get there, right? Does this person have the eagerness to love the way God loves? Is heaven their ultimate goal? Can you appreciate God's love in that person's life? Do you see God's love 
expressed in that person as respectfulness, kindness, gentleness, selflessness, consideration. We can go through, you know, the expressions of God's love in people ad nauseum. But that's the purpose of dating, is to then assess whether this person has the potential to help you fulfill God's design for the sacrament of marriage, okay? But, well, yeah, you are not kidding. There is a delay. Yeah. We're having some technological difficulties today. Okay, I'm going to give this to you while I talk, okay? So, that is all lovely and beautiful and wonderful, okay? And then the ideal scenario, but relationships are not intuitive. They're not. How is anybody supposed to know how to do this if we don't talk about it? Relationships don't come easy. They're not instinctive. They're not intuitive. They're hard work. They take, oh, perfect, thank you. They take effort. They take attention. They take sacrifice. They take learning. They take communication. None of that is knowledge that you're born with. So we do these types of discussions and these types of talks because if we don't, people have unrealistic expectations of what a relationship is supposed to look like. And those unrealistic expectations lead to a lot of problems that can be avoided in relationships if we just talk about it. Like I, I genuinely wish that we started doing stuff like this 20 years ago. But this whole idea of talking about dating relationships and even acknowledging that people date before they get married is something that's very novel, but it's, it's something that's very necessary because unrealistic expectations have very serious consequences. Like there are a lot of people that are disappointed in their first relationship or their second or their third because they have unrealistic expectations of what that's supposed to be. And relationships are supposed to be fun. <laughs> it's supposed to be something that you enjoy and that you look forward to. And if your unrealistic expectations lead to that disappointment, you're robbing yourself of the fun of relationships. Like, I love doing these talks because they're fun. <laughs> so don't rob yourself of the fun because of the unrealistic expectations. The confusion that comes with unrealistic expectations. Sometimes the unrealistic expectations cause people to doubt themselves doubt the other person, doubt God's presence in the relationship, and all of that could be avoided had we just clarified what's reasonable in terms of an expectation. And then frustration on both sides, of course. And then, of course, big one is trauma and baggage, right? Unrealistic expectations can ruin the current relationship and then be carried over into your next attempt and your next attempt and your next attempt after that, right? So we have to kind of get to the root of the problem before it snowballs into something that has the potential to kind of derail your efforts in the future, okay? So, today we are gonna talk about the unrealistic expectations which usually manifest in the movies or in our church and our community stereotypes against reality, okay? So, I think in this presentation, if I'm not mistaken, we've identified something like nine myths or something like i said we're gonna set realistic expectations we might not get all the way to number nine but we'll just we'll go as far as we can and when you guys get tired or bored you just stop me because i could talk about this forever okay all right so myth number one it should just happen naturally okay can you uh is it working now yeah i can i can steal your job yeah so it should just am i supposed to swipe here or what's going on if you yes perfect okay it should just happen naturally, 
Okay? So in the movies, people are discouraged from seeking advice. Nobody should weigh in or be involved because you should just be following your heart. You shouldn't need anyone's help. And in the church environment, I don't do grad meetings. I don't do setups. I don't do blind dates. If someone is interested, it'll just happen naturally. And there's this mind-boggling fixation on it should just happen naturally. Okay? What is naturally? Okay? What is naturally? Let's talk about that. Is it unnatural to attend church functions? If all of us sitting in this room and all of us who are interested in a relationship are interested in a relationship according to God's design, okay, which is a pathway to heaven, then wouldn't you be at church attending meetings anyway? Like, what, where's the unnatural part about that, right? Like, this whole idea of, like, a grad meeting vibe makes me crazy. Because, okay, if you don't go to this grad meeting, you're going to go to an analogous meeting that doesn't have the same connotation. But the purpose is a, is a pathway to salvation. And how are you supposed to find somebody who is equally yoked on that pathway to salvation if they're not here? <laughs> Where are they? <laughs> like, it, it doesn't make sense that this, should, this is not natural, right? And then the other part that drives me crazy, okay, is that nobody should be involved because you should just follow your heart, okay? Is it unnatural to seek wise counsel? You guys can read. I don't have to read it to you. But there's one billion verses in the Bible about seeking wise counsel, okay? There's one billion verses in the Bible about the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Nobody's a pro here, okay? Like, uh, like I don't know what I'm doing, okay? I've been married for 10 years. Don't be arrogant enough to think that you have this all figured out and then let that set you up for unrealistic expectations and then inevitably failure, okay? There is nothing unnatural about meetings there is nothing unnatural about asking for help, okay? My only caveat to this is that be wise about the wise counsel that you seek, okay? Wise counsel is not like Joe Schmo who's walking down the street and you want to ask him about your relationships, okay? Wise counsel. Ask somebody who is in a position to be able to help you, okay? My father of confession, in a position to be able to help me, okay? Like, you know, my friend who has had a string of failed relationships and is not able to identify why, maybe not wise counsel. Maybe, okay? The caveat to that, okay, is the wise counsel that, like, really, really guided me through, like, the beginnings of my relationship with my husband at the time was not married, okay? Like, she got married well after me and started dating well after me, okay? But she was somebody who was solidly rooted in the faith. And all of her examples, all of her, like, her rationale that she drew from was rooted in the faith so when you choose your wise counsel be wise about who you choose be certain in that person's ability to shepherd you in the right direction okay but the act of asking for wise counsel is not unnatural i would actually argue that it's the opposite that we as social beings need wise counsel from the people that are around us to help guide us okay this one, okay, is it unnatural to hear suggestions? Okay, this is me. This is me, like, whatever, 12 or 13 years ago when I met my husband, because the second somebody suggested somebody, I'm like, no, thank you, thank you so much, thank you so much, okay? But it's that arrogance in that, you know, the act of somebody suggesting somebody makes you take a step back. But you've got to ask yourself why. Does that person lose any value because somebody has suggested them to you and that you haven't, like, met them on your own? They don't. So don't make assumptions 
that remove opportunity and remove potential. And also, don't make assumptions about the way God is trying to shepherd you. Okay? Like, you, you can't be arrogant enough to assume that God would speak in this way, but not in this way. What do you know? What do I know? Nothing. So don't make assumptions. Okay? Don't let pride or stereotypes or whatever it is remove your ability to heed whatever he's trying to send in your direction. Okay? No one is the supreme authority on dating. Certainly not me. Okay? And don't be arrogant enough to assume that you have it all figured out. Because nobody does. Okay? 13 years later, I don't have a sweet clue what we're doing. Okay? So don't, don't let that rob you of potential. Okay. Myth number two. Okay? This is for the ladies. Okay? And you guys can, you guys can roll your eyes the guys in the room, okay, but this is mostly for the ladies, all men, okay, are afraid of commitment, if you watch all the romantic comedies, okay, they paint all men in this picture of being afraid of commitment, they're interested in dating around, and not a serious relationship, okay, in our, our church environment, okay, buddy, I'm gonna need your help here again, maybe you're better at this job than I am, okay, in our church environment or our cultural community, okay, the stereotype is that men want these domesticated women, right? They want the woman that's going to cook like their mom, right? They want the one who's going to, like, stay home and, like, you know, baby them. And they're intimidated by independent women, okay? And, you know, 50 years ago or 60 years ago, okay, the generations perpetuated an image of what a wife is supposed to look like, right? She's supposed to cook and she's supposed to, you know, have seven kids and all her kids are supposed to be fat because she feeds them so well. And there was like this whole image, okay? And we've taken what was culturally appropriate at that time and extrapolated it onto the guys in our generation. Unfairly, okay? Unfairly. Are there guys who are like that? Probably, okay? But that's not a fair stereotype. We have made an assumption on their behalf about the why without understanding what they actually need, okay? Sorry, keep going. So we need to cut them some slack because there is a reason why these stereotypes existed that was culturally relevant, okay? So let's take the stereotypes that are from the movies. So in the movie, they paint guys as being afraid of commitment, okay? Is that true? Yes. It is true that a guy is unable to commit when he's with the wrong person, it's the wrong place, or the wrong time in his life. And thank God he's unable to commit in those scenarios. Because if he looks past what he feels to be wrong and does commit, that's a divorce ready to happen. And I gotta tell you, a failed dating relationship is significantly easier to cope with than a failed marriage, 100%, okay? So are guys afraid of commitment? Yes, they're afraid of commitment when it's the wrong person, the wrong place, or the wrong time. And thank God for that. Because you don't want somebody to commit who is missing one of these three critical parts of a relationship. You don't want that, okay? I don't know about you guys, when I was growing up, everybody knew at least one example of a couple, like, I don't know, maybe I grew up in a different environment, I don't know, but, like, a couple that was dating for, like, five years, six years, and, like, back in my day, like, anything more than two years was, like, something that people would be, you know, raising eyebrows about, 
and they'd be dating for five or six years, and why aren't they getting married? Why aren't they getting engaged? What's going on? Big blowout, they break up. Six months later, the guy's engaged to somebody. What's happening? He was unable to commit to the five or six year person because something was wrong. And everybody paints this picture of this guy who's a jerk and he's this and he's that because he couldn't commit. And then six months later, he finds somebody else. But six months later, it was right. Six months later, it was either the right person or the right place or the right time in his life. And five years ago, it wasn't. So we can't paint this picture of guys as being wrong for acknowledging that something is wrong and not doing it anyway, right? The goal is not marriage. The goal is salvation. And if this person is not going to bring you closer to God's design, they did everything right by walking away from that relationship, okay? So we have to cut guys some slack under this stereotype of why they're afraid of commitment, okay? Sorry, keep going. This one I'm going to park until myth six because this is a sore spot for me, okay? Sorry, keep going. We have, we're having some technical difficulties today, Bruno. So I'm normally a mile a minute, but this is slowing me down. Maybe this is a good thing. Maybe this is a good thing. Okay, so the church stereotype. So the movie stereotypes are that all guys are afraid of commitment, okay? The church stereotype is that guys want domesticated women, okay? They want the one who's going to cook like their mom, okay? And what's, that, what's that, that saying? The quickest way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Buy him some McDonald's, it's fine, okay? Like, we have to talk about this and we have to deconstruct this. Because for women, okay, this is a big, big issue. And sometimes, as women, we make this into a bigger issue than it is without understanding, okay? Mm. I, when I was younger... Did I endorse being a feminist? I did. I was very heated, I was very crazy, okay? This is mellow me, okay? This is me having mellowed in my adulthood, okay? This idea is not anti-feminist. We can talk about my opinions on feminism and otherwise, like I have some, maybe some unpopular opinions about the idea of feminism, okay? But if we're gonna talk about equality, okay? And in God's design for marriage, okay? Hear me when I say that the man is, the head of the household, but there is equal authority, okay? Like, we're, we're gonna talk about this analogy in a little bit, okay? But in no way does the man being the head of the household, Buna, okay, make it such that there is like a power struggle, because there isn't, okay? So, am I a feminist? I don't endorse being that. Can I appreciate like the strength and the independence of women? Absolutely, I have two daughters, okay? As well as, you know, being a woman myself, okay? But we take this idea of them wanting domesticated women and we write our narrative about why they want that, okay? They just want someone who's gonna feed them like their mom. They just want somebody who's gonna be a doormat. They just want somebody who's gonna submit to them and listen to everything. That's not true, okay? That's not true. It's not that men want you to live your life in the kitchen. It's that men are attracted to the nurturing side of women, okay? 70 years ago, the way they saw that culturally was that it was in the kitchen because that's what, that's what society allowed for, okay? Is that the only way that you can appreciate it? Absolutely not, absolutely not, okay? My husband and I, when we met, okay? My husband is a very simple man. For those of you that know him, very, very simple guy, okay? When he's very stressed, there's only two things that will help get him out of that stress. Basketball, McDonald's ice cream, that's him. Very, very simple guy, okay? 
You're lucky. I'm very lucky. Uh, you, you, have no, you have no idea. I am very lucky. Okay. The nurturing side of me that he appreciated is that when I acknowledge his stress, I used to go to the drive-through McDonald's. Okay. I hold the ice. I still do that sometimes. It's winter now, though. Hold the ice cream cone. Okay. Hold it in front of the air conditioning as I'm driving. Okay. The thing is melting like all over my hand. Okay. But this is it. This is his thing. Okay. This is what's gonna make him feel better. Okay, hold it in front of the air conditioning, or if it's winter, hold it out of the window to try and like maintain the temperature as best as I can and bring it to him. Did I cook it? I didn't, okay? When we were dating, did he ever like know or not know whether I'm in the kitchen or I can cook? Uh, never, never, okay? Like when he met me, I was very, like I was in school, I was very career focused, I was pursuing a residency, like I was all career all the time. There was no kitchen. I lived in a different house from him, okay? It's not the task. It's the environment that you create and it's how you make somebody feel. It doesn't mean that you're in the kitchen or you're this or you're that or you don't work or you do work, whatever. Whatever your decisions are, are your decisions, okay? That's not what he's interested in. What he's interested in is what environment you create, how you make him feel. Do you make him feel like there is a side of you that he can come to to be built up? Like when he needs motivation, when he needs inspiration, when things are rough, do you make that better? Do you make that worse? Because women are better at nurturing. Does that mean that you don't work? No. <laughs> I, I, I work a lot. <laughs> okay? Like, my, my career is a very strong focus for me in my life. Okay? And my husband appreciates that. He respects that. He encourages that. And he helps me move towards those goals. But it has nothing to do with my ability to nurture. It has nothing to do with my ability to make him feel a certain way. But because that was the only way that society made it possible 70 years ago, because women didn't work and women didn't do this and that, we've decided that they only want these doormats. But that's not fair. We're not giving them enough credit here because that's not what they're looking for. Domestication, domesticated, whatever, like they're not looking for a set of tasks. They're looking for an environment that you either do or you don't foster. And how you do that is subjective, but it's the outcome. It's how you make them feel. It doesn't matter how you do it. But what's the outcome? It's how you make them feel. So don't, don't rob them of credit that this is all they want. Kitchen and blah, blah, blah. That's not what it is. Okay? Sorry, keep going. Intimidated by independent women. Okay. So you guys, some of you in this room know me. Most of you do not. Okay? I am very forward. I am very obnoxious. Okay? At work, I am ruthless. I'm ruthless, okay? Like, in no way has anybody ever mistaken me for passive. I am only aggressive, okay? Like, the worst, okay? It has nothing to do with whether I'm independent or not. It has nothing to do with whether I'm strong or not, okay? My strength is not a deterrent to my husband. What is a deterrent to my husband is if I rob him of the opportunity. That's the deterrent, okay? If I'm strong, if I'm independent, if I'm strong-willed, if I'm whatever, none of that is an issue. The issue is if I take away from his ability to do that, if I don't create opportunity for him to do that, if I don't leave him the ability to do that. That's where we mistake them, okay? It has nothing to do with who you are or what you're not allowed to be. And everything to do with what you make them into and what you push them to be and what you inspire them to be. 
If you can't do that, that's the turnoff. But it has nothing to do with your accomplishments, okay? So give them some credit, okay? Are you, oh, this is much better, thank you. Is it better? Remains to be seen. Oh, I know. I know what the next slide is. It's fine. I'll just <laughs> okay. There you go. Perfect. So you want to talk about how men want domesticated women and that like stereotype, okay? And you want to read about what they're actually looking for and not mistake it for like kitchen and blah blah blah. You read the story of David and Abigail, okay? I'm not gonna get into it because I could go on a hard tangent on this one because this David and Abigail is like Disney in the Bible, okay? It's like this like big love story that's not rooted in these like archaic ideologies like i don't let my daughter watch like the little mermaid like no no we're not gonna watch a movie where your only talent you gave away for somebody that you never spoke to ever we're gonna watch something like that okay but this story of david and abigail is like rooted in like god's design for what each side needs like abigail didn't go to david and win his heart by cooking him a meal like that's not what she did she went and she won his heart by building him up, by like reminding him of God's purpose for his life, by reminding him who he is in God's eyes and what his potential is. She built him up. She nurtured the side of him that he was struggling with in that moment. And that's why he saw her. And that's why he went and he pursued her and he married her and like six other women after her, but that's beside the point, okay? That's why she did that. And then you want to talk about independent women and guys being, being intimidated. Then you go and you read about Ahab and Jezebel. And you read the difference between like Jezebel and Abigail. And how Jezebel, as an independent woman or whatever you want to call her, cut him down. Left him no room to lead. Left him no room to be a man. Ahab was described as the worst king in the history. And we have some really bad ones. Really, really bad ones. But he's the worst. Because she cut him down at every opportunity left him zero ability to be a man, to grow into anything of value. That is what's the turnoff, is your inability to let him be him. And sometimes, forgive me, okay, forgive me, I'm not anti-feminist or feminist, okay? I'm pro God's design for roles, okay? And sometimes in our fixation on this concept of like equality and feminism, blah, 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 we take that and we like, in our effort to establish our place, rob them of the ability to do theirs. You do you, okay? Nobody's doubting your strength and what your capacity is. But don't let your fixation make you self-centered and not realize what you need to do for the other person. If that person is important to you. If they're not important to you, who cares, okay? See, the problem is I get so into it, and I'm just like seamlessly like, okay, so wait. It's not working for me today. I have it here. There we go. Keep going. Yeah, I have to click for a while. <laughs> okay, the next slide. So I, I encourage you to read these stories at home. Keep going, but I encourage you to read these stories at home. I have like a whole series on those two stories, so I can't get into it now because we'll never leave, okay? So myth number three for the guys, okay? Guys, there's guys on every side, okay? For the guys, keep going. You're going to have to be ahead of me, I think, <laughs> okay? All women, okay, so the stereotype of guys is that they only want these like kitchen Stepford wives or whatever, and they're afraid of commitment, whatever. 
The stereotype for women is that women are crazy. <laughs> Maybe a little, okay? And that women need to have the last word, okay? And the stereotype in our community or our church is that women are too emotional, they're too sensitive, and they love to gossip, okay? I love that one. That one's my favorite one. Whoops. Okay, keep going. I think you got to try and stay ahead of me here. All right. So, women are crazy. I mean, I have a very wise friend who once told me, everybody's a little bit crazy. You just have to find the crazy that you can live with, okay? Are women crazier than men? I don't know. I mean, I'm a girl, right? So, like, <laughs> I don't know. But do I genuinely believe that everybody is their own version of crazy and you need to just find the crazy that's compatible with you? Yes, I genuinely believe that, okay? Next one. Need to have the last word. I love this one, okay? The most controversial passage, you gotta keep going. The most controversial passage in the New Testament is what? Wives, submit to your husbands, right? For the husband is the head of the household as Christ is the head of the church, okay? And then the part that everybody ignores is the next part. Husbands, love your wives, okay? Why did St. Paul ask the wives to submit and the husbands to sacrificially love? Why? Okay? This is by design. This is not an, a power struggle or an imbalance of struggle. Okay? This is God showing you what your needs are and instructing the other person about how to meet your needs. Okay? So husband, wives submit to your husbands is a reflection of the fact that one of guys' greatest needs is to feel respected. And the second a guy does not feel respected in his relationship, the relationship is over. It's over. And I gotta tell you, okay, on the girl's side, the second the girl loses respect for the guy, the relationship is over. It's over. Because that is their, their ultimately, their most deepest need within a relationship. And without being able to fulfill that need, that relationship is going down the drain, okay? Similarly, okay, not a reflection of a power struggle, what is a woman's greatest need is to feel loved by design, okay? Is that unrelated to the fact that women are better than nurturing and therefore need love? No, right? Is that unrelated to the fact that guys need to feel respected and therefore are unable to commit when they don't feel respected? No. It's all related, folks. Okay? So, needing to have the last word has nothing to do with women being like crazy or annoying. It, and it has everything to do with the conflict. Okay? If you take any relationship conflict, any marital dispute, anything, and you drill it down to its core, Take away all the drama, all the details or whatever, it boils down to one of two problems. Either the girl doesn't feel loved or the guy doesn't feel respected. Every single marital problem, every single relationship fight. Either X, Y, and Z happen and all of this means the guy doesn't feel respected and X, Y, and Z and all of this drama means the girl doesn't feel loved. That's it, okay? So them needing to feel like they have the last word is them needing to help the guy appreciate that they're not feeling loved. And whatever happened has led to them not feeling loved. And often, 
guys, okay, because we're better at navigating emotions, it is hard for you guys to understand that, right? It doesn't come intuitively to you. This feeling stuff and this emotional, like whatever, it's not intuitive for you by design, okay? So them continuously hammering this point and needing to have the last word is because they are trying to help the guy understand something that is hard for them to understand. It's got nothing to do with a power struggle and everything to do with the fact that you're wired differently, your hurt is wired differently, and your greatest needs are wired differently. And if we just understand that before we start the relationship, oh buddy, the drama that it avoids. Like the unnecessary like struggles that it avoids, okay? I just came from a, a marriage retreat with our church and one of the most like... <coughs> Beautiful things that we learned on this retreat is that conflicts are by design, okay? People take conflicts, this is within a marriage, don't extrapolate this onto dating yet, okay? People take conflicts as a sign that something is horribly wrong, okay? And these disagreements and these differences and these struggles, something's horribly wrong, okay? When in fact, those conflicts are by design to rebalance the relationship, right? Like, he sees that your priorities are out of, uh, out of whack, and the conflict is designed to reprioritize, okay? In dating, the conflict is designed to give you insight. And whether that insight helps you grow closer or helps you realize that this is not working out here, okay? Both successful outcomes, but it's by design, okay? All right, too emotional or too sensitive? Is that true? Yes. We're way better at emotions than guys are by design, okay? And that's why our strength is nurturing because we're better at it, okay? I'll never forget, never forget, okay? The first time I met my husband's best friend, okay? These people have been best friends since like infancy, okay? I heard about Rama's, Rama's, Rama's. My, the whole time we were dating, Rama's this, Rama's that, Rama's is his best friend, Rama's is his first wife, ugh, his best friend, okay? I go, they're introducing me. The first time Rami introduces me to Rami, my husband's name is Rami, he says, he goes to him and says, hey fatso, I wanted to die. I wanted to, you, I looked at him like, Rami, you can't call people fat. This, this is what, what's happening here. And Rami's like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. And then later, after the first time I met him, I'm like, Rami, what if he has like some body image issues and you're just like contributing to this like deep insecurity that he's feeling? And Rami's looking at me like, it's fine. <laughs> like not at all appreciating like the emotional like risk because they don't understand it the way we do. They don't, okay? Women, okay, our greatest asset but also our most powerful weapon is our words. 100%. We know exactly how to wreck somebody from head to toe with one sentence. And we know exactly what we're doing. And at the same time, okay, we know how to take somebody from here and build them up to here, one sentence. Because we are better at navigating emotions. We are better. And that's why guys are attracted to the nurturing side of us when we take that and we use it positively because we're wired to be able to do that better. So they are wired to need that from us. It's complementarianism, it's by design, okay? So are we more emotional and more sensitive? Yes, we are. We're better than you. 
There's nothing wrong with that. It's excellent. Okay? Thank God that we are. Otherwise, we should be a bunch of robots walking together and, and living together as robots. We are. Okay? I, I have one son, very crazy, okay? and two daughters. Different kind of crazy. Okay? Sometimes, my daughter comes home, my daughter is five. Okay? It's a little bit early for this, I have to admit, it's very exhausting. Okay? But sometimes, my daughter comes home from school, okay? and she's crying. And my husband's like, Millie, what happened? Why are you crying? Daddy, I feel sad, and I, I don't know why. He looks at her and he was like, mommy. <laughs> and he just brings her to mommy and says, this is, this is, this is illogical. <laughs> just take this and you deal with it. And I can deal with it. I can sit there, we can probe, we can understand what happened. She tells me about the friend and then the friend said this. And we dig, we dig, we dig until we realize what happened at school that made her feel sad that she's not able to articulate. Rami will never be able to do that. He will never, never. But that's why I am who I am and he is who he is. It's okay by design. So are we more emotional sensitive? Yes. And thank God we are. I am very happy that we are. Okay? Sorry, keep going. I said I was going to load my notes here, but I'm not even looking at my notes, honestly. This, these things get me, like, excited. I'm sure you can tell. Okay, I'll keep going until the technology catches up. Myth number four. I love this one. No? Okay. okay but. It's on here, but... I know. It's okay. The, the leg is killer. Myth number four, okay? There is a specific way that you are supposed to date. Okay? Sorry, I think you skipped one. Now I skipped two. Okay. The only reason this slide is of zero value, honestly, and don't play the videos because it's going to take way too long with our current technological setup, but the only reason that I always put this slide up is A, because look at Aki like 100 years ago. Do you guys know Aki? <laughs> And I like to just embarrass him, okay? Look at Aki, so funny. But the point of this is that the movies give you like a formula for how a dating relationship is supposed to go, okay? And if you don't follow this formula, like, oh, boy meets girl, there's initial attraction. Oh, then they accidentally run into each other at a flower shop. And then, uh, whatever. And then there's some big conflict and some big struggle. And then fast forward to like three quarters of the way of the movie, he does some big grand gesture and bam, they're gonna get married. Like, that's not the formula, friends, okay? It's not, okay? And similarly, in our church, okay, although these stereotypes have evolved, yeah, yeah, keep going, don't worry, you gotta stay ahead of me. Although these stereotypes have evolved, okay, these stereotypes still exist, okay? You're supposed to meet only in this way, you're only, I remember when I was younger, okay, you're only supposed to date a guy who's a deacon, and who's this, and who's that, and he knows all the Coptic hymns by memory, not by reading, he has to know it by memory. God's joke on me is that I married somebody who has no sweet clue about Coptic and hymns. The first time he met what's Tazbeha, like that's not his thing, okay? And it was, a, it was a learning curve for me because my whole life was he has to be this and he has to be this, he has to be this. And Rami was like, like God showing me that your definition of spirituality is so narrow. Like Rami, like I, I, I will never be where Rami is. I, I never will. Okay? His level of spirituality, I'll never get there. Okay? It's like, like sainthood. It's like unattainable. Okay? But Rami doesn't fit the traditional definition of deacon. Uh, he's not. But this was God showing me, like, you need to broaden your very, very narrow-minded definitions. And it took me a long time to see that. Okay? Because this is what we're supposed to go. This is, and this is what we're supposed to do. And this is what we're supposed to look for. There's no formula. Okay? And you want to talk biblically? Okay. Let's talk biblically, okay? 
There is no dating in the Bible, friends. Okay? Ruth went and slept at Boaz's feet. I would not recommend you do that in 2023. Okay? You like a guy, don't lie down at his feet. It's very awkward. Okay? There is no formula in the Bible for dating. Okay? There are love stories like Isaac and Rebecca, love at first sight. So beautiful. Okay? David and Abigail, Disney in the Bible. Very beautiful. Okay? Even Ruth and Boaz, like, you know, like I have some questions about like how the, the, some of the decisions that were made there, but like still, okay? Love story. Very beautiful. Okay? But there's no formula about you're supposed to do this first and this first and this first and then this next. There's no black and white guidelines. What the Bible does have is black and white guidelines on the kind of person you're supposed to be. Okay? That's your guideline. How you do this dating thing, we can talk about, but it's very subjective. But who you're supposed to be and the kind of person you're supposed to be is black and white. Okay? Like if you look at this verse in Galatians, now the works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. I don't want to date this person. Thank you very much. Okay? But then you fast forward, okay? But the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I want to date this person. Thank you, okay? Like, my husband, the epitome of long-suffering. Haram. Like, three women in the house. The guy doesn't get a word in. Very long-suffering, okay? Very patient. Very gentle, okay? That's the person I want to date. How we do it, okay, let's talk about it. But the black and white, biblical, is who you're supposed to be. Okay? So don't let these stereotypes or these like formulas cloud your judgment about what you're supposed to be doing or what you're supposed to be feeling or whatever because those things are arbitrary. They're not based in anything of value. Okay? So I, I mentioned David and Abigail a little bit before. Okay? I'm just going to quick mention. Okay? If you're looking for a relationship to model... I would strongly advise against taking Ahab as a role model for men and Jezebel as a role model for women, okay? And I would strongly encourage you to dive deeply into David and Abigail, okay? Because there are traits specific to David and specific to Abigail that were part of their recipe for success, and similarly, traits specific to Ahab and specific to Jezebel that were part of their recipe for failure, okay? Keep going. Maybe not. Okay. Love this one. Okay. Myth number five. He's just not my type. By the way, stop me. Like, whoever's, like, facilitating and keeping me in track, like, just stop me. Okay? Because I don't think we're going to get through all. So, he's just not my type or she's not just, she's just not my type. I think there's a movie actually called that. That's, she's just not, I'm, she's just not that into you or something like that. Something, I'm dating myself. It's like maybe 10 years. So, okay. So, in the movies... There's like, you know, too big, too small. He's manly or not manly. She's this or she's that, whatever. The church stereotypes, okay? And I have to tell you, I was a very big offender of this, okay? Big, big, big time offender and was probably the reason why it took me so long to finally agree to go out with Rami, okay? In the church, he's too young, he's too old, the age difference, this and that. With Rami, okay? Too Coptic or too not, Coptic, okay, which was wrong, okay? Too fobby, he's too white, or she's too white. What, like, there are all of these stereotypes that we play with, okay? Sorry. I, I want to probe this a little further because if I anecdotally had to um, identify one of the biggest 
reasons why people don't pursue something that has potential is this, okay? First of all, how do you know what your type is, folks? Okay, how do you know? You don't know anything, okay? We started this talk by acknowledging that you don't know anything, I don't know anything, nobody knows anything, okay? And that's the whole purpose of seeking wise counsel. Because if you're arrogant enough to assume that you know everything about relationships, good luck to you, friend, good luck, okay? So first of all, how do you know what your type is? Second of all, okay, when you decide what your type is, you limit yourself to a very, very predefined box. And you rob that person of the opportunity to like prove to you that they are outside of that box, that they are more than just that box, okay? I'll give you an example, okay? My husband, when I met him, did not have a sweet clue what is tezbaha, what is that? Tell me what that is, okay? My husband is like, wow worship, okay? Like, his dream was to be like a Hillsong, like, guitar playing, like, you know those concerts where people are like, doing like this kind of stuff? That's very not me, as you can tell, but that's Rami, okay? Like, and that was for me, I was just like, thank you. <laughs> this, is, this is too much for me. Like, I can't. But in my doing that, I limited him to just that. Because I've decided that because of this feature, okay, I'm not interested, I've now limited Rami to only that feature. There's nothing more to him worth exploring besides this. And that's not fair. Because there is so much more to Rami. Okay? Similarly, okay, I grew up in a household where my dad was an engineer. Okay? Very predictable hours, no on-call, no late shifts, Monday to Friday, 8 to 4, somebody has a dentist appointment, he can leave midday, take them to the desert and come back. So in my mind, I grew up as engineering is the ideal job for a household. Okay? In comes Rami. Not an engineer. No thank you. I have limited all successful relationships to only being with only engineers. This is completely nonsensical. Okay? But that's what we do when we decide that we know what our type is. You take that person and you limit them to one characteristic. That's not fair to you, that's not fair to them. Because to them, you're minimizing them and reducing them into one defining feature, okay, which is unfair. And to you, I mean, it, it does you no credit if your whole platform of considering or not considering is based on one feature, okay? No offense, but he shouldn't want to date you either then, okay? Because you've now limited all opportunity and all potential to one defining feature. It makes you have blinders on, okay? You close the door on somebody who could be what you didn't know you wanted, okay? That essentially is like the epitome of your progression of your relationship with God, okay? So like when we were in Africa, they're like, Sayyidina's like progression of faith was like, okay, so when you're a kid, you start here, okay? And you say, God, I want X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to pray for X, Y, and Z, okay? As you deepen your relationship with him, okay, you move up to the next level. The next level is, God, I want this, this, and this, but only if it's your will. If it's not your will, don't give it to me. So the first level, you tell him what you want and you're waiting to get it, okay? The second one is you're asking him, this is what I want, but is it what you want? Because if it's not what you want, I'll consider it, okay? Then the third level, okay, is I want for nothing. I only want what you want. That's where we want to be. I'm not there. Rami's there. <laughs> I'll, I'll see him there maybe in 100 years, okay? But I'm not there, okay? It's the same thing with relationships, okay? I started, God, I want a deacon engineer. 
Thank you so much. Okay? And then, step number two. Uh, I don't like the fact that he's not an engineer or a deacon. So, like, I'm out. But, like, are you okay with that? Okay? Then the next level is, what do you want from me? Because this guy is, is mind-boggling, but like, okay, like if you're forcing him on me, like, okay, let's talk, okay? I always say about Rami that he's everything I didn't know I wanted, okay? I gave you very superficial examples of like, whatever, profession and, and Coptic, no Coptic, whatever, very superficial, okay? But there is so much about Rami that I didn't know I wanted until God backed me in a corner and said, just please trust me. Just hear what I'm saying and trust me. And like really, my father confession was the one who kind of like yelled at me and it was just like, stop being crazy, okay? But like, don't rob somebody else of the ability to show you what you didn't know you wanted, okay? Everything is at least worth consideration. Now, the caveat to that, okay, like asterisk, okay, is be very careful about making the distinction between a deal breaker and a type, okay? I'll tell you what I mean by that. A deal breaker is like foundational, okay? So, not Christian, deal breaker, for me. You guys do you, okay? For me, deal breaker, not Christian, okay? For me, doesn't want kids, deal breaker, okay? I wanted kids when I was growing up, okay? Type, tall, not based on anything of value, okay? So be very clear about what is a deal breaker for you, which is reflected of something foundational and that is value-driven, faith-driven, morals-driven versus a type, which is usually quite superficial and not rooted in anything of value, okay? It's okay to have deal breakers because you don't want to waste each other's time if there's something foundational that you can't agree on, okay? But when you have a type, I encourage you to dig a little bit deeper into what's behind that impression of a type. Okay? Okay. Okay. <sighs> this one is very controversial, okay? If you remember, I made reference to it a little bit earlier where they were like, oh, they only want to date around. La, la, they're not serious. La, la. He's like a player. He's a jerk because he goes and he dates around and he goes and he's had coffee with four people. Oh my gosh, I can't, I can't come near this guy because he's had coffee with four people. Okay, so first of all, it's 2023, so we're going to just kind of get, get with the times, okay? The first issue, okay, is it is very difficult to evaluate this individual, okay, without spending time alone with them. Okay, group dating and all that stuff that my parents really wanted us to do, okay, is fine for a period of time, okay? But there's a level of depth that is extremely difficult to accomplish with 30 other people standing beside you, okay? Extremely difficult, okay? So <laughs> as much as my parents don't want to hear it, okay, dating is, is necessary, okay, in order for you to be able to evaluate the person in terms of their, like, congruence with God's design for the sacrament of marriage, okay? The other thing is that how you feel can be very misleading, okay? So it's not just about feelings. Like, yes, I like him. No, I don't like him. There's a lot more layers to evaluating the person than just feelings, okay? Now, this whole thing about casual dating, dating is bad, he dates around, blah, 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 okay? Let's define what is dating, okay? 
Dating is assessing the other person's suitability as a prospective partner, okay? And like I just put a caveat in there as it relates to God's design, right? Because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about God's design for the sacrament of marriage, okay? It's a form of courtship consisting of social activities done by the couple, either alone or with others, okay? By the end of your assessment, okay? And I've mentioned this a few times already. If you deem the other person not suitable, success. Divorce avoided, okay? If you deem the person suitable, success, okay? Marriage, okay? This is why I love this service, because we bat 100%. <laughs> Either you break up, excellent, avoided divorce, or you get married, excellent, pathway to salvation. There's no losing here, okay? But in our minds and in our culture, okay, for some reason, we have deemed breakups less successful than marriages. But I'm going to argue that that's not true. I'm going to argue that, like, thank God you broke up with somebody who's not going to help you in your path to salvation. For whatever reason you broke up, I don't know, but thank the Lord that you did. So we have to kind of move away from this idea that every time you go out with somebody, if you've been out with them three times and they don't marry you, they're a jerk. Maybe you're crazy because nobody's going to get married after three dates. And maybe you're crazy because you go on a date with somebody and you're batting 50-50. I would actually argue that you're batting 70-30. You're probably not going to get married in 30% that you are. Okay? So just because somebody's gone out for coffee with somebody three times and not pursued it, doesn't make them not legitimate. I would actually argue that they probably have insight into their deal breakers. And they're not wasting anybody's time, okay? So try to be very skeptical about throwing these labels on people, okay? That, oh, he goes out for coffee with like, you know, two people. God forbid, he's a player. He just leaves people on, okay? I just, I want us to dig a little bit deeper into some of those concepts that we've just absorbed from like previous generations. Okay, so I'm not, <laughs> not going to go into this. Okay? This was something that I was asked for at EDGE, like I want to say two years ago, maybe three years ago. They wanted us to do a talk on like starting from scratch. Okay? So like you see a girl at a meeting and you like her. Not you like her, you don't know anything about her yet. But like you're interested in talking to her. What do you do? Okay? So we came up with this like algorithm. Like have you had a conversation with her? Yes or no? Uh, that's a whole separate talk. We can have that another time. And then if you skip to the next slide, there's one for girls too. <laughs> okay, this one is for the boys. Okay, this one is for the girls. It's actually a lot of fun to go through, but there's no time for today. It's 10 o'clock already. There's no time. So the point of this is that it's like a web. Okay, so by the time you ask somebody out for coffee, okay, you don't know anything about them. You don't. Okay, you go out for coffee three, four, five times. My rule generally is five. Okay. That point, you decide, is there enough potential to turn this into relationship or there's no potential, okay? If there's no potential, great. You did nothing wrong. The five coffees that you went out with don't taint your reputation. You're good, okay? It's coffee. Nobody cares, okay? And on the other side, coffee number four, ladies, doesn't mean you're getting a ring, okay? We're just trying to see. We're just trying to see, okay? At date five, I, I put five asterisks because that's my rule, but like whatever, you guys do whatever rule you think is appropriate, like within reason, okay? Date five, okay? After date five, nobody's getting married, okay? You're deciding, is there enough potential to continue or there isn't? If you decide that yes, there is enough potential to continue, you're still not getting married, okay? 
You're talking about whether you're going to have a date six and a date seven. And you're, you're going to talk about now being in a relationship. That relationship, 50-50. You're batting 50-50, okay? In six months from now, you could break up. Success. In eight months from now, you could break up. Success, okay? But, sorry, sorry. Yes. For a relationship after five dates, that isn't moving a little too quickly. So I'll tell you why, okay? So at that five-date rule, okay, and this is my rule, again, so take it with a, with a grain of salt. This is just my rule, okay? At that five dates, we have to define why it feels like it's moving too fast, okay? So at five dates, what's the decision? The decision is, do I want to continue seeing this person, getting to know them exclusively, okay? Or I'm not feeling it. There's enough red flags or there's not enough there for me to want to continue. At date six, are you, have you defined the relationship? Are you in a relationship? Yes. What does that mean in terms of your, commi of your commitment? What's the difference between date five and date six? Nothing. The only difference is that you guys have now talked about the fact that you're exclusive, that there are expectations on either side that you're not seeing other people. There are expectations on either side that there's going to be efforts on either side to get to know each other. And there are expectations exchanged on either side that this is not a proposal. This is us continuing to get to know each other. And at any point, we can call it. But this idea of like, isn't that moving fast? sometimes comes from the idea that being in a relationship means you're getting married. False. Being in a relationship still means that you're batting 70-30 for a marriage here. Even 70-30 is very generous, I have to tell you, okay? Based on the way things are going, 70-30 is very generous. So like, question why you feel like that's moving too fast and whether that hesitation is rooted in the other person or your own unrealistic expectations of what it means to be in a relationship. Because being in a relationship doesn't mean anything. The only thing you're committed to is getting to know that person, that's it. But we have this like cultural association with like, you know, if you're in a relationship, the assumption is that you're getting married and if you don't, it's a failure. False. You know what I mean? Fight me though, fight me. Do you want to fight you? Yeah, fight me, fight me. Five dates, that's like one month. Under no circumstances am I committing that much to somebody after a month. What are you committing? Exclusivity. 